What's up, world? This is Jesse Rich with Jesse Rich Podcast, and I got a new mic, so please tell me what it sounds like. I will be listening to this afterwards, but of course, with my output and my settings, it might not sound the same, so please let me know how this mic works. Also, this mic is not supposed to collect background noise, so if you are planning on subscribing to my Twitch, I will now be able to speak to my viewers as I play instead of just playing music. So, good things are happening. All right. So, to lead off of what I talked about, I think it was two days ago, is these formings of a new habit. I found some extensions on that, also that atomic habit we uh, talked about in last segment. They mentioned that, and they create this whole setup that was really interesting. Um, hold on. My headphones are extremely loud. I sound really funny right now. All right. So I went on with where... They came up with some evidence on that atomic habit, some more psychological brain studies on habits, and I thought that was really interesting, so I kept with it. I also stuck with a whole different subject later that took on the deliberate practicing and stuff we talked as well, so that will be my next segment. As we keep moving forward, I'll probably keep doing some of the psychological studies because they're some of my favorites and go from there. I will be doing the League of Legends lore later on. That one, the actual lore from the beginning, from the creation of the world with uh, the fans creating it because they actually haven't broken down a timeline. Uh, Riot hasn't. I want to read that, but it is a lot, so... I kind of don't want to dedicate too much time into that. So that segment, I'm probably going to be speaking as fast as possible just to get through it. But what's really fun is the individual lore. Uh, They will be very short videos or, yeah, very short podcast that it just tells the stories. And I really like the writers. Uh, Hopefully I can, like, get into character on some of them to really tell the story. But it's more of... I'm just enjoying League of Legends right now. I know people out there are fans. They might not want to look up each lore, which you can do. They might just want to hear someone tell it to them, kind of like an audiobook. And that's what I'm here for. If you're not into it, please stick around because I am going to be keep nailing on this psychological or other sciences that come up. So let's get started on the five triggers that make a new habit stick. The five triggers that make new habits stick. In a New York Times best-selling book, Atomic Habits, they explain the process of building a habit can be divided into four simple steps. The steps are cue, craving, response, and reward. The habit loop, which is this image below that I will explain, has these four factors connected together. So it almost looks like a window pane with just a, or a graph with just an x-axis and a y-axis, splitting everything into fours. Q is the first one. It's got a one in the corner, and it has this 
circulating arrow around the numbers. So it goes one, two, three, four, cue, craving, response, and reward. Charles Dunhig and Nair Iuyol. Uh, Dunhig is D-U-H-I-G-G. Iyol is E-Y-A-L. Deserve special recognition for their influence on this image. This representation of the habit loop is the combination of language that was popularized by Dunhig's book, The Power of Habit, and a design that was polarized by Eel's book, Hooked. Each phrase or each phase of the habit loop is important to building new habits, but today we'd like to discuss the first habit, which is cues or triggers. There are five primary way primarily ways that a new habit can be triggered. If you understand each of them, then you can select the right one for the particular habit that you are working on. Here's what you need to know about each habit cue. Cue 1. Time. Time is perhaps the most common way to trigger a new habit. Common morning habits are just, for example, waking up in the morning usually triggers a cascade of habits. Going to the bathroom, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, get dressed, make a cup of coffee, etc. There are also less common recognized ways that time triggers our behavior. For example, if you pay attention, you may notice that you repeat certain tasks mindlessly at different points during the day. Heading off to go get a snack at the same time each afternoon, taking a smoke break at the same time each morning, and so on. If these patterns are bad habits, then you may want to take stock of how you feel at the time of the day. In many cases, your habits are a signal of how you feel. Bored? Maybe your afternoon snack, snacking habit is a way of breaking up the monotony of the day. Feeling lonely? Maybe your smoke break is a way to connect with a fellow co-worker. The point is, if you understand the reason why these habits pop up at the same time each day, then it can become easier to find a new habit to fill the void. Bad habits are replaced, not eliminated. How we use it. Time-based cues can also be used to stick with routines over and over again. This is preferred method, for example, every Monday and Thursday... I, oh, this is someone speaking it, I'm sorry. I a, write a new article and post it on jamesclear.com. The time and date drive is patterned. It doesn't matter how good or how bad I feel about the article. It doesn't matter how long or how short the article is. All that matters is that I stick to the schedule. The time triggers the habit loop. Number two, location, Q2. If you have ever walked into the kitchen, seen a plate of cookies on the counter and eaten them just because they are there in front of you, then you understand the power of location on our behavior. 
in my opinion, location, environment, is the most powerful driver of mindless habits, also the least recognized in many cases. Our habits and behavior are simply a response to the environment that surrounds us. The famous study on water versus soft drink consumption is one of the examples of how our environment can either promote good habits or lead us towards bad ones. However, location-based cues are not simply things that we respond to. They can also be things that we create. Multiple research studies by David Neal and Wendy Wood from the Duke University have discovered that new habits are actually easier to perform in new location. One theory is that we mentally assign habits to our particular location. This means that all of our current places that you are familiar with, your home, your office, etc., already have behavioral habits and routines assigned to them. If you want to build a new habit in these familiar locations, then you need to overcome the cues that your brain has already assigned to that area. Meanwhile, building a new habit in a new location is like having a blank slate. You don't have to overcome any pre-existing triggers. How I use it. When I arrive at the gym, I head to the same spot each time to get ready, change into my lifting gear, and start my warm-up. This location in the gym is a simple habit cue that helps prompt my workout routine. More on the power of the pre-game routine. There are bound to be some days when I don't feel like exercising, but the location-based trigger helps me overcome that and get into my workout ritual as painlessly as possible. Cue number three, proceeding event. Many habits are a response to something else that happens in your life. Your phone buzzes so you pick it up and check your latest text message. The location, the little notification bar lights up on Facebook and you click it and see what signals. These are examples of habits that are triggered by a proceeding event. When it comes to cues that are useful for building new habits, I find proceeding events to be one of the most useful. Once you understand habit stacking, you can develop all sorts of ways to tie new habits into proceeding events. Example, when I wake up in the morning, when I make my morning coffee, I will meditate for a minute. How I used it. For over two years, I have used the preceding event to stick with my daily gratitude habit. Each night when I sit down and eat dinner, I say one thing that I'm grateful for that day. It's worth nothing. One reason I believe I have been able to stick with this habit so consistently is because it is so small. The smaller the habit, the easier it is to build into your life. Cue number four, emotional state. In my experience, emotional state is a common cue for bad habits. For example, you may have a habit of eating when you feel depressed or you may default to online shopping when you feel bored. 
The emotional states of depression or boredom are triggers of these negative habits. Unfortunately, although, emotions are very common cues to our behavior. I find that they are harder to control and utilize for building good habits. Mostly, I think this is because if you want an emotion to trigger a positive habit, then you often need to be consciously aware of the emotion as you are experiencing it. In other words, you have to be an emotional and aware at the same time, and that can be hard to do. Paying attention is a is a powerful but difficult way to build better habits. How I use it. I try to get better about noticing when I'm holding tension in my body and experiencing stress. When I do notice and I'm feeling particularly stressed, I'll use this emotional state to cue a deep breathing habit. I like to follow a 3-1-5 breathing habit. Three seconds in, pause for one second, five seconds out. I'll usually repeat this sequence three to five times. I find this a little breathing exercise to be a great instant stress reliever. It's particularly useful because you can literally do it anytime. Cue number five, other people. It is probably no surprise to you that the people you surround yourself with can play a role in your habits and behaviors. What may be a surprise is just how big of an impact these people can make. One study in the New England Journal of Medicine found that if your friend becomes obese, then your risk of obesity increased by 57%, even if your friend lives hundreds of miles away. As far as, it, as far as I can tell, the best way to make use for this information is to surround yourself by people who have the habits you want to have yourself. As Jim Rohn says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. How I use it. I'm not a heavy drinker. But nearly every time I go out with my friends, I get a drink. Why is that? If I'm not yearning for a beer, why get one? It's simply a response to the environment that I am in and the people I'm around. Before you choose your habit cue, no matter what cue you choose for your new habit, there is one important thing you need to understand. The key to choosing a successful cue is to pick a trigger that is very specific and immediately actionable. For example, let's say you want to build a new habit of doing 10 push-ups each day at lunchtime. You might start choosing a time-based cue. Say something like, during my lunch each day, I'll do 10 push-ups. This might work, but it's not very specific. Do you do your push-ups at the beginning of your lunch break, or at the end, or any time? Alternatively, you could create a cue around a very specific precedenting event that happens right around your lunch break. For example, when I close my laptop to leave for lunch, I'll do 10 push-ups. In this case, a 
very specific action of closing the laptop is a perfect trigger for what to do next, your 10 push-ups. There is no mistake in when you should do the new habit and kick off your habit loop. As always, self-experimentation is the only real answer. Play around with these five habit cues and see what works for you. What I think is really interesting is the fifth one, other people. I know a lot of people in my life that I've talked to, especially ones that are like either recovering alcoholics or recovering drug addicts, as soon as they go back to hanging out with the group of friends that they were hanging out with before, they jump right into those habits and then the next thing you know, they're relapsing. So I really think that environment and People are probably the biggest cues in my eyes. I understand the other ones, but to really change your habits, you almost need to, like they said, change the people you're around. You're the average of the five people that are mostly around you. So I think that's really interesting. This next one we're going to go over is how to build new habits by taking advantage of old ones. How to build new habits by taking advantage of old ones. Once again, we are giving a throwback out to that Atomic Habits. Um, This book must be very good if they keep being able to write all these articles on it. In 2007, researchers at Oxford University started peering into the brains of newborn babies. What they found was surprising. After comparing the newborn brains to a normal adult brain, the researchers realized that the average adult had 41% fewer neurons than the average newborn. At first glance, this discovery didn't make sense. If the babies have more neurons, then then why are adults smarter and more skilled? Let's talk about what's going on here. Why... This is important and what it has to do with building better habits and mastering your mental and physical performance. The power of synaptic pruning. There is a phenomenon that happens as we age called synaptic pruning. Synapses are connections between neurons in your brain. The basic idea is that your brain prunes away connections between neurons that don't get used and builds up connections that get used more frequently. For example, if you're practicing the piano for 10 years, then your brain will strengthen the connection between those musical neurons. The more you play, the stronger the connection becomes. Not only that, The connections become faster and more efficient each time you practice. As your brain builds stronger and faster connections between the neurons, you can express your skills with more ease and expertise. It is a biological change that leads to a skill development. Meanwhile, someone who has never played the piano is not strengthened those connections in the brain. 
As a result, the brain prunes away those unused connections and allocates energy towards building connections of another life skill. This explains the differences between the newborn brains and the adult brains. Babies are born with brains that are like a blank canvas. Everything is possible. But they don't have strong connections anywhere. The adults, however, have pruned away a good deal of their neurons, but they have very strong connections that support certain skills. For the fun part, let's talk about how synaptic pruning plays an important role in building new habits. There is something called habit stacking. Synaptic pruning occurs when every habit you build has, as we covered, your brain builds a strong network of neurons to support your current behaviors. The more you do something, the stronger and more efficient the connections are. You probably have a very strong habit and connection that make you take for granted each day. For example, your brain is probably very efficient at remembering to take a shower each morning or to brew your morning cup of coffee or to open the blinds when the sun rises or thousands of other daily habits. You can take advantage of these strong connections to build new habits. But how? When it comes to building new habits, you can use connectedness of the behavior to your advantage. One of the best ways to build a new habit is to identify the current habit you are already doing each day and then stack your new behavior on top of it. This is called habit stacking. Habit stacking is a special form of an implementation intention. I'm sorry implementation intention. That is very hard to say. Try saying that 10 times fast. Rather than pairing your new habit with a particular time, location, you pair it with a current habit. This method, which was created by B.J. Fogg as part of his Tiny Habits program, can be used to design an obvious cue, what we went over just a little while ago, for your new habit. Habit stacking, for example. Habit stepping formula. After I pour a cup of coffee each morning, I'll meditate for a minute. After I take off my work shoes, I will mentally change into my workout clothes. After I sit down for dinner, I'll say something I'm grateful for. After I go into bed at night, I will give my partner a kiss. After I put on my running shoes, I will text a friend or family member where I am running and how long it should take. Again, the reason habit stacking works so well is that your current habits are already built into your brain. You have habits and behaviors that have been strengthened over years. By linking your new habits to the cycle that is already built into your brain, you make it more likely that you'll stick to this new behavior. Once you have mastered this basic structure, you can begin to create larger stacks by chaining small habits together. This allows you to take advantage of the the natural momentum 
that comes with one behavior leading to the next. We have a picture here and it literally just shows a, a drawing of four separate graphs and it's for habit stacking. So it was over those four steps we mentioned, cue, craving, response, and reward. Once you get done with the reward of the very first habit, you jump right into the second one and then to the third and fourth and so on. So they only gave four examples of that. Habit stacking increases the likelihood that you will stick with a habit by stacking your new behavior on top of the old one. This process can be repeated to a chain of numerous habits together, each one acting as a cue for the next. Your morning routine habit stack might already look like this. Pour my cup of coffee. Meditate. Meditate. Write a to-do list. After writing the to-do list, I'll immediately begin my first task. Or consider this habit stacking. Finish eating dinner. Put the plate directly in the dishwasher. After I put my dishes away, I'll immediately wipe down the counter. After I wipe down the counter, I will set out my coffee mug for tomorrow morning. You can also insert new behaviors into the middle of your current routine. For example, you may already have a morning routine that looks like this. Wake up, make your bed, and take a shower. Let's say you want to develop a new habit of reading more each night. You can expand your habit stack and try something like this. Wake up, make your bed, place the book on my pillow, then take a shower. Now, when you go to climb into bed, a book will be sitting right there for you to enjoy. Overall, habit stacking allows you to create a set of simple rules that guide your future behavior. It's like you always have a game plan for which action should come next. Once you get comfortable with this approach, you can develop general habit stacks to guide you whenever the situation is appropriate. When I see a set of stairs, I will take them instead of going up the elevator. Social skills. When I walk into a party, I will introduce myself to anyone I don't know yet. When I want to buy something over $100, I will wait 24 hours before purchasing. Healthy eating. When I serve myself a meal, I always put veggies on my plate first. When you want to buy a new item... I will give something away, one in, one out. When the phone rings, I will take one deep breath and smile before answering. When I leave a public place, I will check the tables and chairs to make sure I don't leave anything behind. No matter how you use this strategy, the secret to creating a successful habit stacking is selecting the right cue to kick it off. Unlike the inflammation intention, which specifically states the time and location for the given behavior, habit stacking implicitly has the time to lo or time and location built into it. When and where you choose to insert the habit into your daily routine can make a big difference. If you're trying to add meditation to your morning routine, but mornings are too chaotic and your kids keep running into the room, then that might be the wrong place and the wrong time. 
consider when you are most likely to be successful. Don't ask yourself to do a habit when you're likely to be occupied with something else. Your cue should also have the same frequency as your desired habit. If you want to do the habit every day, but you stack it on top of a habit that only happens on Mondays, it's not really a good choice. Finding the right trigger. One way you can find the right trigger for your habit stack is by brainstorming a list of current habits. You can use your habit scorecard as a starting point. Alternatively, you can create a list of two columns in the first column, write down the habits you do each day without fail. For example, get out of bed, take a shower, brush your teeth, get dressed, brew the coffee, eat breakfast, take the kids to school, start your workday, eat lunch, end of workday, change out of clothes, sit down for dinner, turn off the lights, and get to bed. Your list can be much longer, but, the, but you get the idea. The second column, write down things that happen to you each day without fail. For example, the sun rises, you get a text message, the song you're listening to ends, and the sun sets. Armed with these two lists, you can begin searching for the best place to layer your new habit into your lifestyle. The next step. Habit stacking works best when the cue is highly specific and immediately actionable. Many people select cues that are too vague. I made this mistake when I wanted to start doing my push-up habit. My habit stack was when I take a break for lunch, I will do 10 push-ups. At first glance, this sounded reasonable, but soon I realized my trigger was unclear. Would I do the push-ups before I ate lunch or after? Where do I do them? After a few consecutive days, I changed my habit stack to when I close my laptop, then I'll do my 10 push-ups. Habits like read more or eat better are worthy causes but are too vague. These goals do not provide instruction on how and when to act. Be specific and clear. After I close the door, after I brush my teeth, after I sit down at the table, the specific C is important. The more tightly bound your new habit is to a specific cue, the better the odds you are you will notice when the time comes to act. Happy habit stacking. So I actually really like this one too because I use this a lot from day to day. Where I work at, I have um, a whole list of things that I have to do. And the very first thing I do as soon as I get in there and sign in on my computer is I start opening every application that I need to use. So on the computer, if you hit the Windows key, you can start typing in what you want to open. So let's say I'm using, uh, what is it called, Edge, I think, or something. I'll hit that Windows key, type in Edge, and I'll magically select it, and I'll hit Enter. At work, I'll use something like outlook uh email whatever i type in out it automatically pulls the app up i have created a habit to let everything open up and load while everything is opening up and loading that is when i go and talk to the supervisor of the shift before because we always want to have 
supervisor to supervisor meetings to not only guide how the day was or how the day's been going, but also to talk about other supervisor stuff. By the time that happens, I'm ready to come in and all my stuff's loaded that I am ready to get straight to work. And then what do I do from there? I start breaking down the day-to-day on what I want to get done first. So for an example, let's say that every day I have to test something and it takes, you know, a couple minutes. I'm going to jump right on get that test done and... As soon as it's done, now I can jump on the next one. So I already kind of practiced some habits stacking. Um, I really want to incorporate this with other habits in my life, like making sure I do a podcast every night, making sure I do a stream on Twitch every night. I'm building those habits. They're not obviously habits yet. I still have little things that stray me away from it, rather it be sleep because I work a lot, or rather it be um, I have two kids and a wife, so of course I got to take care of my family. So little things like that do break the habits, but I'm getting into that habit to make sure I'm constantly giving content to my supporters, subscribers, listeners, and viewers. So I've already started working on this. I want to do it with other healthy stuff and start some good habits, as they put it. But as for the mere fact, I'm already starting on this kind of stuff. So that's why I thought this article was really neat. I thought a lot of people out there might want to hear some of this kind of stuff so that they can make the decisions themselves on what they need to work on, or just a different approach of working on it. Some people don't know where to get started, and I think this is a good um, baseline knowledge to help anyone create a better themselves as you all create a better yourselves i'm hoping i get better with my content on the twitch or on podcasts so i can please you guys just like you're all pleasing yourselves also like i said i have a discord up that you can send me feedback you all already know my email Don't forget to support the channel. Don't forget to subscribe to my Twitch. Check it out. Again, everything is Jesse Rich. I will have all the links in this description. I just got accepted into Apple Podcasts, so big shout out to Apple. I think that is awesome. I am on another platform, so woot woot. So I got Spotify and Apple. I just want one more, and I'll be super excited. Another big name, but not going to give them a shout out until I see if I get accepted or not. Always, guys, you know, tell your friends, tell your family to come give me a listen. Don't forget to support me and subscribe. And I love you all. Later.